I want everybody to turn to Romans 7. Um, and those that are on the internet, I want you to read along with me because <clears throat> over the past 20 years, I've had many debates, discussions, even arguments over the topic that we're getting ready to discuss. I titled this message, Are We Still Subject to the Law? Um, because there are many um, goats, I'll call them goats, they believe that they are sheep, but they are actually goats, uh, believe that the law has been abolished, we don't have to keep the law anymore, we can eat and, and drink and do whatever we want, um, he knows our hearts, he will forgive us, Um However, that is contrary to Scripture. Today, I'm going to show you this because <clears throat> having a recent discussion with an individual, um, the more I listen to them speak, the more convicted, the more um, appalled, for lack of better terms, I became uh, simply because they enjoy eating pork, they enjoy eating bacon, which to each their own, um, but they tried to argue with me and debate with me saying that um, they don't have to keep that law, I don't have to keep that law, blah, blah, blah. Uh, if you want to believe that, you go right on ahead. Um, however, you cannot show me that in Scripture, and I've, I've over the last 20 years, I've had this discussion. Um, to this date, there has not been a single... And I'll use the term Christian because I'm going to use it loosely because Christian is a generic term that many religions, denominations use, uh, including Messianics, um, to claim that they follow Christ. Um, you don't follow Messiah if you're not walking in his footsteps. And I'm going to show you that today. Um, I have yet to have any person or minister prove to me in the scripture that the law that was given through Moses from Yahweh has been abolished or removed. Um, on the contrary, when one actually sits down and studies the text, one could never, and I mean never, come to that conclusion that that is anywhere near the truth. Uh, and they try to justify their sin. And yes, I'm going to say that they try to justify their sin by using Paul's letters. Um, even Peter made the statement that the things that Paul wrote are hard to be understood. Because Paul, you have to understand, was a Pharisee. Paul knew the law better than most of the Hebrews, most of the disciples in his day, which is why he made the claim that he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He understood something about the law that most of the people in his day did not understand, which is why the Sanhedrin tried so hard to get rid of Paul um, and you have to keep this in, in your mind because he was a centurion. He was a Roman centurion. Um, he was employed by the Roman uh, church or the Roman uh, council government of the time to get rid of any opposition, to get rid of any um, anyone that was causing a 
dispute, turmoil, whatever you want to call it, uh, among the two governments that were in place at that time. And you got to go back and read the prophecies. And if you haven't read the Old Testament prophecies, I suggest you do. Um, because they depict and explain what's going to happen during this time period. So, Paul, or uh, excuse me, Rome was okay. They were satisfied with the Jewish government, the Israeli government at the time, uh, because the Israelis were paying tithes or, or taxes to the Roman Empire. Okay, so anybody that caused a schism or caused a revolt um, between the two governments, they were out to get, they were out to basically take out of the picture. Um, And I'm going to show you today through Paul's own writings that... The ideology or the idea that the law has been abolished, taken away, removed, whatever, uh, this is totally 100% false. Uh, if you study the church history, and by that I'm referring to the Catholic Church Fathers from Ignatius all the way down through the popes, uh, it was the Roman church that tried and tried and tried to remove the law uh, they kept. They kept. And hear me out, please, because they kept the altered. And when I say altered, I say altered because they kept the altered Ten Commandments. They removed a couple of the commandments. And if you go back and read the Catholic version of the Ten Commandments, it is not Yahweh's version of the Ten Commandments. Um, they removed the. Uh, you shall not make any graven images unto yourself or uh, make in unto you any gods to yourself. And they removed this, the, the uh, Sabbath commandment so they could keep Sundays. The Protestant church has done the exact same thing. They just followed along with what the Catholic church taught. Uh, this is what is referred to as gaslighting. They feed you a bunch of lies and all the while not telling you what they're doing, even though they themselves are breaking the commandments and breaking the law. All right. Romans 7, I'm going to read you this from Paul's own words, okay? And you've got to understand where Paul's coming from, because Paul is not, Paul is not uh, debating the idea of the law. Paul is enforcing the law. Paul is explaining to his, his Hebrew brethren uh, the importance of the law. And if you go back in the book of Acts, remember they kept saying, oh, he preaches against the law. He's pre-, and He did not. He enforced and, and taught the law. And I'm going to explain this here in a little bit. Um, but he enforced the law and was telling them, and through this, he's explaining to them um, why we are supposed to keep the law and what the law does. Okay? Romans 7, verse 1, Know you not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law. That is imperative. That is important that you understand that. Because if you don't know the law, then don't even keep reading. Because you will not understand what Paul is fixing to say. You have to understand the law. You have to understand the the law of Yahweh that was given to Moses through Israel. You have to understand that in order for you to understand Paul's speech. 
because he is specifically talking to those that know the law, okay? Know you not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. Are you and I both alive today? Yes, we are. We are still under the law. And I'm going to explain that here in just a few minutes. For the woman which has an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he lives. Again, he is equating us to women. Okay? He is equating us to women, the bride of Messiah. We are the woman. We have a husband, which is bound. We are bound by the law to our husband so long as he is alive. Okay? But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. Now, keep this in mind because Paul throughout his writing speaks of two separate laws, very, very separate, very different laws. Um, which, again, going back to what I said earlier, if you do not study the Greek and study out these words, you will not understand what Paul's writing. I have a problem with ministers who are repeating, regurgitating what they were taught and going back to read scripture and they're preaching on what they were taught rather than what scripture says. Because this is where the wolves in sheep clothing come in. This is where error comes in. This is where leading people astray comes in. You could not get any more unfaithful, sinful than that. Okay? And I'm going to show you that via Paul's own writings. Okay? Now listen to this. So then if, while her husband lives, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. She be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. Okay? And I've heard it preached, and this is this is where the the contradictory comes in. Okay, and you have to please, you have to understand this. If you preach the law has been done away with, but we're supposed to still keep the Ten Commandments, that is a total and utter falsehood. That is a total utter lie. The Ten Commandments are part of Yahweh's law. It is not. There is no exclusion. There is no adaptation. There is no change. There is no none of that. Okay? If you're keeping the Ten Commandments, then you are bound by law to your husband to keep the whole law. Is everybody following that? Otherwise, you trying to keep the Ten Commandments and then trying to be married to Christ, you are an adulteress. You cannot have it both ways. You cannot have the, the cake and eat it too. It does not work that way. I'm going to read this again. So then if, while her husband is alive, she be married to another man, she should be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free, or loosed is the Greek word, she is loosed from that particular, that law. What law? He's not talking about the Mosaic law, which is what the Christians call it, but it's Yahweh's law. He's not talking about free from um, Yahweh's law. He's talking about free from the law to the husband. There is an actual covenant law that is not part of Yahweh's law that you are bound by and this is what Paul's trying to get to. Okay? 
so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, and I'm going to explain this in the Greek, because just by reading your King James Version, you would be led to the idea that you're dead to any other law except Christ's law. Um, you're married to the body of Christ. You're married to Christ because the law has been abolished. No, false. That is wrong. That is incorrect. That is nowhere found anywhere in the Greek. Okay? Let me read the Greek to you so you have an understanding of what it says. This, my brother, thus, my brothers, you also are mortified. The word mortified in the Greek means to be put to death. You yourself are put to death by the law through the body of Messiah. I'll read this again. You also are mortified by the law through the body of Messiah, that you should be married to another, raised from the dead, that you be fruitful to Yahweh. Nowhere in this does this say, hey, we're free from the law of Moses. Uh, we don't have to keep the laws and sacrifices, blah, blah, blah. None of that. We don't have to keep tithing anymore. We, do you see the problem, the error with this? By saying you... Do not have to keep the law anymore. You are saying you don't have to pay tithes. You don't have to give to Yahweh that you don't belong, literally belong to Yahweh because you do not keep his covenant. That is preaching two different gods, people. It is preaching two different gods. That's exactly a breaking of the commandments, which he said not to do. Okay? I'm going to read this again. Verse 4. Thus, my brothers, you also are mortified by or via by the law through the body of Messiah. What does that mean? It means that you will put your carnal nature to death by the law through the body of Messiah, that you should be married to another, raised from the dead, that you be fruitful to Yahweh. Okay? For when we were in the flesh, are we still presently, currently in the flesh? Yes, we are. When we were in the flesh, is Paul talking about um, a, a carnal nature? Is he talking about a spiritual nature? Or is he talking about when we are in the flesh? See, this is where the church goes wrong. And I say wrong, and I will emphasize wrong, and I don't care what you want to argue or say against me or about me or whatever. I'm telling you the truth. When we were in the flesh, the motion, that word flesh is sarks, which is carnal. When we were carnal, okay, if you are still committing sin, you are still carnal. If you still, quote unquote, make mistakes, Every day, you are still carnal. So, you are in the flesh. And if you are in the flesh, the motions of sin which were by the law, and I'll explain that here in a minute, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. Motions of sin which are by the law, he's going to go into that. Don't read into that because he's going to go into that and explain to you what he's talking about and what that means. And again, if you don't know the law, don't read Anything that Paul writes, because he's talking to those that are knowledgeable, that are learned in the law. I speak to them, verse 1, that know the law. If you don't know the law, don't keep reading. 
Just do not keep reading. Go to another book and start studying the commandments. Start going through uh, Genesis through Deuteronomy. Start reading it out because you will not get any further if you just preach or just read Paul's writings and ignore the rest. You cannot go any further. Go back to 1 Corinthians. Matter of fact, I'll go back with you. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Hold your hand there. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto flesh or carnal. Even as unto babes in Messiah, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. Who do we know of in the flesh that only drinks milk and doesn't chew meat? They're called infants. Okay? Babes in Christ or babes in Messiah, they are infants. They are not old enough to chew meat. This is who Paul preached to. Okay? The book of Romans were written to Jews at Rome that understood and knew the law. And if you will keep reading the book of Romans, you will see that. Okay? To Corinth. And this is where a lot of people twist Paul's words. To Corinth, he only taught them milk. He did not teach them the blessings. He did not teach them the law. He did not teach them uh, anything in depth. There, literally, you can go through the entire book, First uh, and Second Corinthians, which is one book. If you go through the entire book, you will not see anywhere where he talks or speaks of meat. Because it's not meat. It is not spiritual meat. It is milk. Okay? Read this in verse 2. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able... The, the King James has this italicized because it's not found in there. It says to bear it. You're not able to chew it. Period. Neither yet now are you able. For you are yet carnal. For whereas... Among you, or there is among you, envying and strife and divisions. Are you not carnal and walk as men? If you are arguing, causing strife, uh, creating divisions, um, envying somebody else because somebody has more knowledge than you do about something, or you're envying something that somebody has, or you're creating denominations because, oh, well, I don't agree with the way this pastor preaches. I don't give a flying rip. You are still carnal. If you claim that a minister is your minister, um, I could name some names, but I'm not going to. But if anybody here says, you know, well, Ryan, Ryan McGinnis is, is my pastor. No, I am not. That is taking ownership of Yahweh's servant, and I am not anybody's servant. I am a servant to all. I am not owned by any man. Paul explains this right here. While one says, I'm a Paul and another Apollos, are you yet not carnal? Who is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom you believed, even as the master gave to every man? I have planted Apollos waters, but it is Yahweh that gave the increase. Neither is he that planteth anything, neither he, neither he that watereth. It's Yahweh that gives the increase. Yahweh is your pastor and should be your pastor, should be your minister, should be your guide, should be your leader. He should be your master and king. Nobody else, there is not a single minister on the planet that you should be walking in their footsteps. You should be walking only in Messiah's footsteps, period. If a minister comes to you and says, oh, well, we don't have to keep the law and commandments anymore, Walk away. Walk away. 
because that is a bold-faced lie. I'm going to show you that. Go back to Romans 7. <clears throat> Verse 6. But now we are delivered from the law, from the law, Keeping keeping this in mind, okay, he's speaking to people that know the law. Now we are delivered from the law that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. What does that mean? It means that while we are under the law, we are supposed to serve it in the newness of spirit. Not in the oldness of the letter. We're not supposed to go back to uh, the the making sure. Okay, so again, if you don't know the law, you wouldn't know this. Every priest, every scribe, every king had to write a copy. In order for you to be a rabbi, you have to write a copy of the entire book of the law, Genesis to Deuteronomy. You had to write an entire copy of your own, it was your own Torah, you had to write a copy of it for yourself, and it took years. And I mean years for an individual to sit down and write a copy for themselves of the Torah. Okay? This is what he's talking about. We aren't serving in that oldness of the letter. We don't have to sit down and write a copy of the letter, because we already have it. Okay? Uh, I believe it's in Romans 2, Paul makes a statement that the law, now because of the Spirit of Yahweh, is written in our hearts. We know the law by knowing what's right and wrong. And if you don't know what's right and wrong, then you need to sit under the law and be tutored, taught. Okay? Watch this. Verse 7. What should we say then? Is the law sin? Nope. No, the law is not sin. In fact, in the King James, he says... It says, God forbid, but that's not found in the in the Greek text either. It says, no, in no way. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, you shall not covet. Oh my gosh, there is a commandment. We're supposed to keep Ten Commandments, but we got to throw out the rest of the law. That's not what he said. He just said that the law includes, you shall not covet. Sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, for without the law, sin is dead. Without the law, sin is dead. Without the law, sin is dead. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that, oh, well, we don't need the law anymore because sin is dead. No, that's not what that means. He's saying, without the law, I didn't know what sin was. To me, it was dead to me. Sin... There was no there was no understanding of what sin was. As babies, we don't know what we're doing. We don't know when mom and dad says, hey, don't touch the stove, that it's hot. That's a law. You don't touch the stove. You don't stick a key in an outlet. We know that. As adults, we know that. Sadly, as adults, we don't know our own freaking commandments. We don't know the law of Yahweh when we should. All right? Watch this. I had not known lust, except the law had said, You shall not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, for without the law sin was dead. For I was alive without law once. I will I will read that again, and I'm going to take out the King James wordiness. Okay? 
I was alive without law once. Yeah, we all were. We were babies. When commandments came, sin revived. Oh, and I had to die to it. I had to die to, to that sin. I had to die to what sin was. What does that mean? It means that, let, let's say you, you, you enjoy touching the stove. Okay, Mom and Dad come in. They haven't said anything to you. Because typically you're you're not touching a hot stove, you're touching a cold stove, okay? And we used a lot of the time we used as babies, we used the, the stove or uh, something to pull ourselves up with. Um, I for one use the stove to pull myself up with. But you know, for us, without without somebody coming in and saying, "Hey, yeah, don't do that because the stove's hot," to us that means nothing. We we absolutely mean nothing. We know nothing about that, okay? So, the first time mom and dad comes in and says, hey, don't touch that, it's hot. Well, guess what we're going to do? We're going to touch it. And then guess what we're going to do? We're going to die to that sin because, oh, we realize we should never have touched that stove. So, the sin revived and I died to that. Because I realized from now on, I'm not touching that stove because it's hot. That's what Paul's talking about. The commandment, which is to life... I found to be unto death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. I touched the freaking stove. Is everybody following? I'm putting this in, in infant terms, in child terms, because clearly those that don't understand that the law is still in place, clearly are still ch children. They're still spiritual children. And they need to hear this. The commandment, which is ordained to life. The commandment, which is ordained to life. The commandment, which is ordained to life. I cannot say that enough. The commandment, which is ordained to life. I, personally, I, to me, I found it beyond a death. Why? If the commandment is ordained to life, why do I find it unto death? For sin taking occasion by the commandment deceived me and by it slew me. Wherefore, wherefore, the law is holy, the commandment is holy and just and good. Again, I'll read it again. Wherefore, the law is holy, the commandment is holy, just and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? Was the commandment that is good, was it made death to me? No, in no way. But sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. In other words, if mom and dad just walked in and said, hey, um, that stove's kind of hot, kind of warm, might not want to touch it. Well, guess what you're going to do? Because you're a child, you're going to touch it. And that's exactly what Paul's saying. It deceived me. I found it just because it's warm. Mom and dad really didn't say don't touch it. They just said you might not want to. Um, yeah, I, I found that it, 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 it deceived me. Is everybody following? For we know that the law is spiritual. We know that the law is spiritual. We know. We know that the law is spiritual. But, 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 
I am carnal, sold under sin. I'm not sold under the law. I'm not sold under the commandment. I'm sold under sin. Is everybody following that? Paul is talking to those that know the law. He's not saying, hey, we're sold out to the law. No, he's not. He's saying, we know the law is spiritual, but I am cardinal, sold under sin. Is everybody following that? I am carnal, sold under sin. And this would be the perfect time for me to explain this to you because a lot of people are not aware of this. But did you know that Paul actually speaks of two different laws throughout his text, throughout his writings, and throughout his letters? There is the law of sin and death, and there is the law of life or the law of Christ, or however you want to call it, the law of Yahweh, the law of Moses, Christians call it, um, Jews call it that too. Um, but there are actually two different laws listed, okay? Are you, individually, are you carnal by nature? If you are carnal by nature, then you serve the law of sin and death, Okay? Going back to what he just said, what is the law of sin and death? The law of sin and death is you you have a natural instinct to go against the commandments. You have a natural instinct to rebel against anything that Yahweh tells you to do. You have a natural instinct, and, and please, please hear me when I say this, because if you're not paying attention, you will take it out of context of what I'm saying, and that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, okay, if you are carnal, and I'll use this, I'll use the generic form, okay, and I say generic form because most people know the word God, if God speaks to you and says, oh, no, you don't need to keep the commandments um, or you don't need to keep the law or it's OK to eat pork or it's OK to do this or it's OK, um, you're not speaking to Yahweh. I'm going to tell you that right now. You are not speaking to Yahweh because that is not found anywhere in Scripture. Yahweh has never, never, ever told anybody to go against his law ever. In fact, he killed people that went against his law. He opened up the mouth to swallow 300,000 Israelites that did not keep his law. So don't sit here and blow smoke and sunshine up my keister and say, oh, well, no, we, we don't do that anymore. No, yes, we do. He has not changed his mind. He does not change his mind. Can he? Absolutely he can. Will he? Absolutely he won't. The prophets prophesied countless times, numerous times, what I have said and what has proceeded forth from my mouth, I will not change. I will not repent from. I will not go away from. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, um, Malachi, you name it. I can tell you all the prophets that said that when he spoke to them, he told them flat out, I am going to give you a commandment. I'm going to give you a law, something to say to the people, and I will not change my mind. I will not go against it. Okay? If And I want you to follow with me here, because if Yahweh changed his mind, then that means our Bibles are 100%, 1,000% worthless. 
because that means that they don't mount to a hill of beans because that means he can change his mind at any time and throw it out. Nope, that's not how it works. His word is his word is his word is his word is his word. It does not change. Man can come in and change it. It does not change. The original texts do not change. Is everybody following with, with me? All right, now watch this. <clears throat> Verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. You know, I could sit here and read this all day long, and it's going to confuse you because you have no idea what the crap Paul's talking about. Let me read this to you from the Web Bible because it kind of makes it a little bit more uh, clear. Um of course, it does, and I'll, I'm going to say this because it does not follow 100% along with the Greek text, but it does word it to the point where Paul, you would understand what Paul is saying. Verse 15, for I don't know what I am doing. That is true. As a child, you don't know what you're doing. For I don't practice what I desire to do, but what I hate, that I do. But if what I don't desire that I do, I consent to the law that it is good. So now it is no more I that do it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, are you all flesh? Are we all flesh? Yes, we are. There dwells no good thing. In your flesh, there dwells no good thing. It's why you need the Torah, you need the commandments, you need the law. For desire is present with me, but I don't find it doing that which is good. For the good which I desire, I don't do. But the evil which I don't desire, that I practice. But if what I don't desire that I do, it is no more I that do it, but sin which dwells in me. I find then the law that to me, while I desire to do good, evil is present. For I delight in Yahweh's law after the inward man. I, I love Okay, if you were to sit down, study it out, Genesis to Deuteronomy, and actually read what it says, you would fall in love with the logic that Yahweh has. You would. You would fall in love with the way he, he implemented everything, the way he wrote everything. If you don't, if you've never read the law and you don't know what the law says, I would advise you to go read it. I would advise you to go study it because it tells you the the beginning from the end. It it literally there are prophecies within the law that explain everything that he did from the from the beginning of creation until the time of the end. He explains in detail, in depth and in detail. In fact, if you want to know how to how to be a prophet, if you want to learn how to be a prophet, go read the law. Because the law produced prophets. The law could actually tell you from one from the very beginning to the very end of what was going to happen, not only in our lifetime, but in the lifetimes coming after us. It tells you specifically how to be a prophet. All right. This is why the church today, to this day, still believes that the prophets and apostles are done away with. Bull crap. It's because they've never sat down and studied the law. 
if they studied the law, they would see that there was there will never, ever, ever, ever be a removal or an abolishment or anything of the apostles and prophets. They will be forever to the end of time. The only reason why you don't see a bunch of them on the scene today is because there's very few people that are actually studying the law. There are very few people that are actually keeping the law. Why? Because of the discrepancy of the, of the church. And I will blame the church all day long for that because they are not teaching you to go back to the law and read it. Verse 23, but I see a different law in my members, warring against the law in my mind. Again, did you know that Paul actually preached two different laws? I shouldn't say he preached it. He, he explained that there are two different laws. He taught that there are two different laws. The law in your members and the law of your mind. Okay? The law of your mind will bring you into captivity under the law of sin which is in my members. Is everybody following that? The law of your mind will bring you into captivity under the law of sin, which is in your members. Your physical body contains the law of sin and death. Did you know that? It's not talking about the inward man. It's He's not talking about the, the law of Moses. He's talking about the law of of sin and death, which is already in our bodies. It is by nature. When Eve transgressed in the garden, she passed that law down to all of us. Don't believe me? Watch this. Go to Genesis. Chapter 3. Verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle. The word subtle is cunning. He's deceitful. Than any animal of the field which Yahweh Elohim had made. He said to the woman, Has Elohim really said you should not eat of any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, Of the truth of the or sorry, of the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But 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 she knew the law. She knew the commandment. Do not touch that tree. Pay attention to this, folks. Because a lot of you know, you know in your spirit that you should be keeping the law. You know it. When the Spirit of Yahweh comes upon us, we are driven to keep the law. We are inspired to keep the law. We are led to keep the law. So is she. Verse 3, But of the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, Elohim has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. The serpent said to the woman, Remind you, he's tricky, he's subtle, he's deceitful. You won't surely die. You know what the Hebrew says? Die the death. He told her, die the death. Because in dying, you shall die. You don't want to really live forever, do you? You want to you want to die when you know when you get old enough and you know you get tired of life. You you just if you lay down, you know God's going to take you to heaven. That is not anywhere found in Scripture, folks. That's not what He said. In fact, it is written in Scripture that when man dies, his soul goes into the ground, which is called Sheol, to await the day of resurrection. That's it. You're going to a dormant's place. That's what he's telling her. 
oh, but in dying, go ahead and die. Because, uh, you know, he, he, if we live a short span of life here, we can, we really, we, we can be gods to ourselves. Watch what he says, verse 5. For Elohim knows that in the day you eat it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like Elohim, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw, here is the law of sin and death working in your members. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was a delight to the eyes. It was a tree to be desired. It made people wise. She took the fruit of it and ate it. She touched the stove. What's the worst part? She gave it to her husband. To get him to eat it. That is where narcissism came into being, folks. Well, he, I, I, I ate it. Nothing's happened to me. Uh, why don't you go ahead and eat it? <clears throat> why don't you go ahead and eat it? <clears throat> Excuse me. Skip on down to verse 10. The man said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Elohim says to him, who told you you were naked? Did you eat of the tree I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman. I'll, I'll, I'll put this in today's generic term. Uh, I'll put this in uh, what people use today. All right. <clears throat> well, God, you did it. You made her for me. She, she made me eat it. And so, technically, you're the one to blame. Literally. I, I mean, the root of it all. I, I could blame you for it. Because you gave, you made her for me. She's the one that deceived me into doing it. But it, it's all, this all would have been solved if you hadn't just given me her to begin with. Yahweh then turns to the woman and says, What is this that you have done? The woman said, oh, but the serpent deceived me. You know, if you hadn't created the serpent, it, it, it's technically really your fault. Because if you hadn't created the serpent, then, you know, none of this would have happened. Is everybody seeing the, the absurdity of the crap that is in your carnal members? You sin because you choose to sin. You touch the stove because you choose to touch the stove. That's the war that we're fighting against. The law of Yahweh tells you not to touch the stupid hot stove. But you do it anyway. And you try to throw out the place where he says, oh, don't touch it. So you can justify your sin. Hello? Go to Galatians chapter 3. Again, we're using Paul's letters to show you the absurdity behind this idea that we don't need the law anymore. The law has been abolished. No, it has not. Most certainly has not. Galatians 3, verse 5. He, therefore, who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law? What is the works of the law? Is he talking about the law that was given by Yahweh to Israel? 
Yes, he is. Is he talking about the works that the law says you shall not covet, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false? No, he's not. What are the works of the law? Since most of you don't know Greek, I'm going to explain this to you. <clears throat> because apparently nobody else has. The Greek word ergon for works actually mean it's it's a negative it actually means to to work against the law it's the deeds or labors that are going against the law okay so if <clears throat> excuse me the law says honor your father and mother the works of the law would be going against that you would be dishonoring your mother and father if the commandment says, do not bear false witness, which is the same thing as saying, do not lie. And you go around lying, you're working the law. Are you following where it's going with that? Ergonomos means to work or labor the law. So you're literally going against the law. You're breaking the law because the law says don't do this. So you're going to do it. That's working the law. Lawyers do it every freaking day. They work the law. They ergon nomos every day. They do everything they can to get their client off the law by working the law, trying to find loopholes. Oh, well, you know, the law says this and this and this, but really um, this could be interpreted as this. No, no. That's not how that works. Are you following where I'm going with this? You have been told wrong for so many years that you literally have built up a resistance against anyone or anything that says you have to keep law. And I'm going to explain that here in just a minute. He therefore that ministers to you the spirit and works miracles among you. Is it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Even as Abraham believed Yahweh and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know you therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture, you see that word foreseeing? When Paul is referring to scripture, he's at the, at the time and day that he lived in, there was no New Testament. Scripture was literally Genesis to Malachi. There was no other text available to them. Genesis to Malachi. That's what he's calling Scripture. The Scripture foreseeing, foretelling, prophesying that Elohim would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham. He preached the gospel to Abraham, are you seeing this? He preached the gospel to Abraham. You're getting hung up on that word before. However, I'm going to show you this. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> that word preached before, before is not found there. The Greek word is evangelion. Which means he evangelized Abraham. He preached the gospel to Abraham. We had the gospel 
before we had the gospel. Hello? Before the New Testament ever came along, we had the gospel. I'm going to read this again. The scripture prophesying that Elohim would justify the heathen through faith, preached the gospel to Abraham, saying, In you shall all nations be blessed. So then they, which be of faith, are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are laboring the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continues. Hear this. Listen to it clearly. Okay? It is written. That is gospel. It is written. Cursed is everyone that continues not in all things which are written in this book of the law to do them. Cursed is everyone. That is the gospel, folks. For as many as are toiling the, the, the law are under the curse. Okay? If you're trying to labor the law and say, oh, well, you know, mom and dad, they said that the stove was hot, but they really tell me not to touch it. I'm going to go ahead and touch it. You're laboring the law. Therefore, you're under the curse. For cursed is everyone that says and continues not all things that's written in the book of law to do them. But that no man is justified by law in the sight of Yahweh, it is clear. It's evident. Of course it is. You're not justified as long as you're a child. Hello? If you're preaching that you are under any such law, you're still a child. Do you not understand what that says? No man is justified by law in the sight of Yahweh. It is evident. You cannot be justified by law. Do you understand what, what justified means? If you are out here on the, on the street, okay? <clears throat> Let's say the speed limit is 60 miles an hour. You get pulled over by state patrol running 70. Okay? You've broken the law. You literally have labored the law. Because the law says don't do that. So you're doing it anyway. You're laboring the law. Okay? When you go to court and the state trooper says, hey, here's his ticket. I caught him doing 70 miles an hour in a 60 mile an hour zone. You cannot be justified. There is no proof that you can provide to say, oh, well, you know, um, my speedometer was off. No, you cannot use that. Because in our cars, we can actually tell if your speedometer is working or not. We can see it. Our radar guns pick it up. Hello? So you cannot be justified by the law if you're breaking the law. For the just shall live by faith. Verse 12. The law is not of faith, but the man that does them shall live in them. Now watch what this says. Messiah has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He did not redeem us from the law, folks. He redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse 
for us. For it is written, this is in Deuteronomy, which we're going to read it here in just a second. He's quoting the book of the law. He literally is quoting the book of the law. And he's showing you, hey, this is why we keep the law. It is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Let me show you this. First Peter 2. Oh, I'm sorry. Told you wrong. Go to Deuteronomy 21. We're going to go back to Galatians, so hold your hand there. Deuteronomy 21. We're going to read 22 and 23. If a man have committed a sin worthy of death. If a man have committed a sin worthy of death. And he be put to death. And you hang him on a tree. His body shall not remain all night upon the tree. But you shall in any wise bury him that day. For he that is hanged is accursed of Elohim. That your land be not defiled, which Yahweh Elohim gives you for an inheritance. Do you not see the problem with the whole idea that the law has been done away with? Within the same scripture verse, not only does Yahweh talk about the inheritance of faith and the promise, but also talks about the curse that is written in the law. Hello? If a man has committed a sin worthy of death, and he be put to death, and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night upon the tree, which is why Yahshua was taken down, but you shall in any wise bury him that day. For he that is hanged is accursed of Elohim. While you might want to argue... Um, he was nailed to a cross? No, he was not. He was literally hanged on a tree. He was nailed to a tree. I can show you in the New Testament where he was nailed to a tree. The <clears throat> books that say cross, and I'm, I'm going to say the Gospels that have used the word cross were edited around 500 AD and they added the word cross because if you get the uh, Codex Sinaiticus, which is the earliest Greek translation of the Bible known to man, it was written around 200 AD. It does not say anywhere the word cross. It talks about him being hung on a tree. What is the importance of why is that so important that we change it to cross rather than tree? Do you not see what the Catholic Church did? Not only did they alter texts so that they didn't have to keep the Torah, but they also made a god of the cross. It became a graven image to them. Christians even use it today. In their Easter sunrise, Sunday, the whole idea of the cross came from Constantine, folks. 
That was not found anywhere in Scripture in any text. How do I know that? Because the prophets and apostles quoted the Torah any time that they quoted prophecy, they quoted Torah. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, uh, um, has, uh, Obadiah, Malachi, they all quoted Torah. They all studied Torah. That's how they became prophets, via Torah. The apostles quoted the prophets that quoted Torah. It, the scripture literally does not change. From Genesis to Revelation, it does not change. You're reading, if, if you're only reading the New Testament, you are not getting a full picture of what happened. And by not getting a full picture, you could be led to believe that, oh, well, the law is done away with. Well, no, it's not. Because if you've ever sat down and read the whole scripture from cover to cover, you would understand that is not true. That is not possible. The only way that you can come to the understanding that text has been altered or that the law has been done away with is if somebody has added a doctrine that is not found in Scripture to Scripture. And by that, I mean it's from behind the pulpits. While they're reading Scripture, they're adding their own anecdotes, their own little stories, their own little doctrines, their own little teachings to what Scripture says. That is not Scripture. They are wolves in sheep's clothing. They cannot, cannot be ministers of Yahweh. Because he said three times it is written in Scripture, you shall not add to or take from this book. You shall not add to or take from this book, or I will add every curse written in this book upon you. Has, has he? Yes, he has. Did you know ignorance is a curse? Ignorance is, in fact, a curse. Go back to Galatians chapter 3. Verse 13 again, Messiah has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Curses everyone that hangs on a tree. We just read it. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. Though it is a man's covenant, yet it is confirmed, no man disannuls or added thereto. That's the third time. It is written in Scripture, sorry, second. That is the second time, the third time is in Revelation. That is the second time in Scripture that it is literally written. You shall not disannul or add thereto. It is a man's covenant, yes. Yahweh gave it to man, yet it is confirmed. No man disannuls or adds thereto. You cannot alter the text of Scripture. That is why to this day, to this very day, we still have every single Old Testament text from Genesis to Malachi intact. Hello? It is intact. 
Do we have New Testament texts that have been found, that have been altered, that have been uh, transcribed, that have been edited? Yes, we have. Yes, we have. There are uh, seven, eight, I believe there are nine different Gospels found among the Dead Sea Scrolls. Each one of them says something different. They have been edited, and it shows the scribal notes. They have been edited um, for the New Testament. I'm speaking clearly of the New Testament. There have been scribal notes. There have been edits made um, between the Codex Sinaiticus and the, the Codex Vaticanus. There are, I believe they said there were over 600 edits made to the New Testament by the popes, um, cardinals, bishops, you name it, of the Catholic Church, there have been edits made um, where they have completely either omitted texts or added texts. Um, but we have not to this day found any texts from Genesis to Malachi that have been edited or have been made scribal notes of. We have found, um, I believe it was the book of Isaiah, shows the correct pronunciation of certain words um, but other than that there has been no editing there has been no altering no uh, fabrication no copying other than you know from the the scribes that copied each other down through the text um, or down through the years um, but there have been no edits no changes from Genesis to Malachi the New Testament yes we have found several different Gospels. Uh, we have found what they call Gnostic Gospels, which are complete. Let me put it this way. The New Testament has been changed so many times. There have been so many different variations of the New Testament books that we literally could not sit down and, and, and clarify or verify that Peter, Paul, James, John, Matthew, Mark, Luke wrote these books. There's no way to prove it. There is no evidence to show that they wrote those books. That's to show you Yahweh will not edit or disannul or add to anything he has ever written. He will not. Alright. Verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed, his seed, singular, were the promises made. He said not and to seeds as of many. In other words, this is not to Abraham and all of us. This promise was not made to all of us. Get this in your head. You are not the inherited promised seed of Abraham. Can you become part of the seed? Yes. But you were not promised to be Abraham's seed. Is everybody following that? So get rid of this narcissistic view that you are holy, you are just, you are the faithful, you are the elect, you are this, you are that. No, you're not. To Abraham and his seed singular were the promises made. He said not into seeds as of many, which is all of us, but as of one to your seed, which is Messiah. And this, I say, the covenant that was confirmed before of Yahweh in Messiah, the law. I'll read that again. 
This I say, the covenant that was confirmed before of Yahweh in Yahshua, or in Messiah, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul to make the promise of none effect. It doesn't change the promise. Does everybody see that? The law does not change the promise. Just like the promise does not change the law. For if the inheritance is of the law, do you see, if you have a King James Version, you can see those two words right there that are italicized. It is. Is not found there. You'll also notice that right before that, the word be is italicized, which means it's not there. It would serve you good to remove all these italicized words because they're not found in the original Greek and read it as it's written. For if the inheritance of the law, that's the way it should have been written. For if the inheritance of the law, no more promise. Are you seeing what he just said? The inheritance of the law cannot go against promise. It does not negate the promise. He's saying if it's of no more it's if it's no more of the promise. That's a that's a question. He's asking you and I if the inheritance of the law is not of the promise. But Yahweh gave it to Abraham by promise. Wherefore then is the law? What is the purpose of the law when the, the promise was the inheritance of the law? People, they work hand in hand. They're side by side. They do not contradict one another. Wherefore then is the law? It was added because of transgressions. Are you seeing this? What what literally what literally is the law? I'm going to ask you in your opinion, what is the law? You're going to say, you're going to say, oh, well it's the 10 commandments or it's the the law of sacrifices or it's it's the law of offerings and tithing and it, it's it's a lot of things, you know, there's there's a lot of things in the law. The law is Genesis to Deuteronomy. Where was Abraham found in Scripture? In the book of Genesis. Where was the promise written in Scripture? In the book of Genesis. How many years before the law was Abraham? We just read it. 430 years. But yet the law also contains the promise. Hello? 
That's why Paul is questioning the people of, of Galatia, saying, wait a minute, you got a problem. Where then is the law? It was added because of transgressions till the seed, Yahshua, should come to whom the promise was made, Abraham. Did Yahshua ever come to Abraham? Hello? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repeat this again so you can get this in your head. It was added because of transgressions till the seed, Yahshua, should come to Abraham who the promise was made. Hello? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. Watch this. The next three words are italicized because they are not found in the original Greek. And it was. Remove them. Matter of fact, you can go through your entire, entire King James Bible and remove every one of those words that are italicized because they don't fit, they don't belong, they're not there. I'm going to read it as it is. It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Ordained by angels, the same Greek word agelos uh, is also in the, in the Hebrew. Uh, it means mediator, or sorry, messenger. <clears throat> I was reading mediator. Ordained by messengers in the hand of a mediator. Now, a mediator is not of one, but Yahweh is one. Oh my gosh. That just completely threw out your Trinity doctrine. Yahweh is one. The law then, is the law then against the promises of Yahweh? Nope, in no way. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly, righteousness should have been by the law. But scripture has concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Yahshua Messiah might be given to them that believe. Not given to everybody, just given to them that believe. What makes you a believer? I'm going to show you that in the book of Peter. Right now, I want you to highlight that because we're going to come back to that. The promise by faith of Yahshua Messiah might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, guess what? If you still preach the law has been done away with, you are not in faith. <clears throat> you don't have faith. Sorry to burst your bubble, but it's true. We were kept under law, shut up unto the face which, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore the law, I, I hate the way that they put this in here because that is, <clears throat> it is not found in the Greek, even though it is not italicized, that word was is not in the Greek. The actual Greek word is genomai. And it means the law, wherefore the law 
is created or generated as our schoolmaster. It became our schoolmaster. Do you see where it says to bring us is italicized? Cut it out. Draw it out, blank it out, white it out, black it out. I don't care. I'm going to read it to you as it is written in the Greek. Okay? Wherefore, the law is created or became our schoolmaster unto Messiah. That we might be justified by faith. I'm sorry, what now? If the law speaks of the promise of Abraham and speaks of the inheritance of faith, then the law became our schoolmaster to Messiah, that we might be justified by faith. And after that faith has come, we are no longer under, under, under a tutor or a teacher or a schoolmaster. Why? Because we become the schoolmaster. Hello? When you go through 12 grades in, in elementary school, and then you go to four years in college, where do you think we got that concept? Where do you think we got that idea? Right here in Galatians. The law is our schoolmaster, elementary school, 12 grades, to bring us to Messiah, there's another four years of college to create us as schoolmasters, teachers, tutors. For you are all the children of Elohim by faith in Messiah Yehoshua. For as many of you as have been baptized into Messiah have put on Messiah. When do you get baptized into Messiah? I just I just taught this uh, last night. When do you get baptized into Messiah? At the baptism into the body. That is the seventh foundational uh, baptism. Hello? That is the seventh baptism, the ninth foundational stone. That is when you put on Messiah. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Messiah Yahushua. And if you be Messiahs, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. If you be Messiahs, then, only then, are you Abraham's seed, singular, and heirs according to the promise. Only if you put on Messiah. Hello? That means you have to sit under the law. You have to sit under the four years of Messiah's college. The school of apostleship. The school of discipleship. And then become a schoolmaster. When for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need to be taught again. The first principles of the oracles, which are the, the Torah, the law. All right. If you read that in the Greek, when for the time you should, you think you should be teachers, you need to be taught again because you're missing something. 
the first person that graduates a seminary school and says, yo, I'm going to go out and I'm going to start a ministry and I'm going to start this church and I'm going to start collecting tithes and offerings and I'm going to do this and that and should have never, ever, ever left seminary school, should have never gone into seminary school to begin with. Because that's not what we're here for. First Peter two. I'm going to start at verse 21. For even hereunto were you called. That same Greek word called is invited. This is what you were invited for, folks. This is what we were all invited for. Because Messiah suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. We were invited to follow his example, to follow in his steps. We were invited also to suffer. Did you see that? This is the reason you were invited. Messiah suffering for us, leaving us an example that we should not only suffer, but that we should follow his example, walk in his shoes, who did no sin. Well, if he didn't any if he didn't ever commit sin, then he kept the Torah perfectly. We were invited to keep the Torah perfectly. We were created to walk in his steps and suffer as he did, following his example perfectly. Who did no sin, who kept Torah 100%. Neither was there any guile found in his mouth. When he was cursed and reviled, he reviled and cursed not again. When he suffered, he didn't threaten it. He committed himself. To Yahweh. We were commanded to do the same thing. I have a commandment to do the same thing. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on what? Not on the cross, but on a tree. Oh my gosh, that's a direct quote from Deuteronomy. He buried, or sorry, he bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, being dead to sin, dead to sin, how do you become dead to sin? You obey the law. You die to sin. So you can live unto righteousness. By his stripes, we are healed. Before the law, before the promise, we were as sheep going astray. Did you see that? Without following his example, without following the law, without following the promise, without following the all 12 grades, the 12 foundational stones, and the four years of college, guess what we got? We were as sheep going astray. But now... When we put on Messiah and we follow his example and we suffer as he did and we follow in his steps, we keep Torah, we don't curse. Now are we returned to the shepherd and bishop of our souls? Is everybody following that? It literally is that simple. 
carnal nature wants to make it more than what it is and wants to muddy the water and wants to make it more confusing than it is when it's not that confusing. It literally is that simple. 1 John chapter 3. I got one more to read after this, and then we'll be done. First John chapter 3, I'm going to read verses 4 through 10. Whosoever, 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 that covers every one of us. Whosoever commits sin also breaks the law. For sin is the breaking of the law. You know, he was manifested to take away our sin, and in him is no sin. What did he do? He kept the law. Whosoever abides in him and puts on the mind of Messiah does not commit sin. <gasps> Hello? Whosoever, that includes all of us, whosoever abides in him, puts on his mind, walks in his example, walks in his footsteps, suffers as he suffered, does not sin. Whosoever, any one of us, whosoever sins has not seen him, neither known him. John cannot express this enough. You are not in faith. You are not in the promise if you are breaking the law. John is pretty clear about that. You have not known him if you are breaking the law. Little children, oh, if that is not an indictment on today's church, on today's religions, then nothing is. Little children, let no man, no man deceive you. He that does righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. The book of Deuteronomy says the law is righteousness the promise is in the law the promise is in the law he that does righteousness is righteous even as he Joshua Messiah is righteous for he that commits sin is of the devil he that breaks Torah, he that breaks the law, is of the devil. For the devil sins from the beginning. He has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, why? Because of sin. For this purpose, the Son of Yahweh was manifested, that he might crush the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of Yahweh does not commit sin. He whosoever that includes every one of us folks and when it anywhere in scripture when it says whosoever that includes me that includes you everyone that is hearing today even everyone that is not hearing today even everyone who has shut me off an hour ago that includes them whosoever is born of the Spirit, born of Yahweh, born of the water, does not commit sin. 
for his seed, Yahweh's seed, remains in him. And he, he, Yahweh, cannot sin. Because he is born of Yahweh. Hello? In this, the children of Yahweh are manifest and revealed, the children of the devil. Whosoever does not righteousness is not of Yahweh, neither he that loves not his brother. Hello? The first people that taught that the law was done away with hated the Israelites, hated the Jews, hated the Hebrews. And they were called the Roman Vatican Church. Literally. You can go back through the church history. <clears throat> it is the ecclesiastical um, of Constantine. It's got a Latin uh, terminology. But it's the Constantine Ecclesia. Ecclesia, Ecclesia something like that. Uh, it literally declares from Constantine's own mouth. That we will not have anything to do with the Jews. They are a vile and abomination to every Gentile on the earth. So they literally went through, and this is in, you can read it for yourself. I will post a link to it in the comments, but you can read it for yourself. There is actually an edict from Constantine's own mouth where he said he will exclude Passover. He will not conduct, uh, he will not perform um, the Feast of Harvest or the Feast of Tabernacles because it is Jewish and we want nothing to do with the Jews. Three times we are commanded in, in the scriptures, in the law, in the promise, in the prophets and in the apostles that we are to observe the three feast weeks. And the Catholic Church said, no, <clears throat> we want nothing to do with the Jews. That is anti-Semitism, one, but two, that is rejection of Yahweh himself. That's even why they changed his name to God and Lord God instead of Yahweh. And later on, when the Jewish um, believers started Throwing a fit because they had changed it to Lord God, they created the name Jehovah in around 1300 years. Uh, this thing is 1300 AD. Uh, it was like 1290 something, but around 1300 AD. Uh, they, the Catholic Church, one of a, they ordered a friar to quote unquote translate the Hebrew name to Latin, and they created the name Jehovah. That is how we got the name Jehovah. If you will go through your King James four different times, I believe it's four, uh, the name Jehovah is found. That is a direct copy from the Latin Vulgate, which is the Catholic Bible. Okay? There are several places in the King James where it is a direct copy from the Latin Vulgate. All right? Why? Why? Did I tell you that? Because it pertains to what we are reading. It means something. They were the first ones to hate their brother. And the Bible clearly says right there in John, right here in John, that he that does righteousness is not of is not of Yahweh, neither he that neither he that loveth not his brother. They didn't love Yahweh. 
And that's why they changed the, the text. <clears throat> Go to Hebrews 6. And I'll leave you with this one. I know this is quite a long message, but it's necessary. Reading verse 1. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Messiah, again, the, what is the doctrine of Messiah? You not only have the 12 foundational stones of the Old Testament law, Torah, but you also have the doctrine of Messiah, which is the four years of discipline, discipleship, training, apostolic training, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Messiah, let us go on under perfection. Not laying again, did you see that first part? Let us go on unto perfection. What is perfection? Perfection means not sinning again. No more sinning. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, of faith towards Yahweh, of the doctrine of baptisms, there are seven, and of laying on of hands, and of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we do if Yahweh permit. Number one, repentance from dead works. Number two, faith towards Yahweh. Number three, baptism of repentance. Number four, baptism of water. Number five, baptism of the Holy Spirit. Number six, baptism in the sea of affliction. Number seven, baptism of fire. Number eight, baptism in the cloud. Number nine, baptism in the body. Number ten, the laying on of hands. Number eleven, resurrection of the dead. And number twelve is eternal judgment. Those are the twelve grades of school under the schoolmaster. Those are the twelve grades even the baptism of the Holy Spirit was found in the Old Testament law. The repentance from dead works, the faith towards Yahweh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the sea of affliction, the baptism of fire, baptism of the cloud, baptism of the body, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment were all found written from Genesis to Deuteronomy. If you don't believe me, I can take you... Of course, it's going to take you a while. I'll see if I can't do it in 12 years, but I'm going to show you. They're all found. They are all, Every one of these are found in the law. That's not counting the principles of the doctrine of Christ or Messiah. That's just the basic foundation right there. And I'm going to show you what he says about this. Verse 4, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have just tasted of the heavenly gift. Is that what it says? It says, and have tasted, tasted, just tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. Do you know why he does not just give the Holy Ghost to just random people, anybody in church? Because of this right here. If you have not laid that foundation. If you have not done what you were told to do properly. You are under mercy. You have not been given grace. You are under mercy. Because if you had tasted of the Holy Ghost. And tasted the good word of Yahweh. And the powers of the world to come. And fall away. And have to repent again. You would be rejected. And your only hope. Would be to be burned. Did you hear me? Your only hope. Would be the burning of hellfire. Because that's all you got. <clears throat> 
That's why he wants us to lay the foundation. That's why he gave me a commandment to lay the foundation. That's why he gave me a commandment to teach the principles of the doctrine of Messiah. It is impossible for those who were once enlightened. Impossible. There is no possible with that. There is no exclusion with that. There is no alternative to that. It is impossible for those who were once enlightened. Once. Just once. All you need is one time. Just once. And a taste of the heavenly gift. And to partake of the Holy Ghost. Just tasted the good word of Yahweh. And seen the powers of the world to come. If they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance. Seeing that they have to crucify to themselves the Son of Yahweh afresh. And put him to an open shame. If you... understood and I'm telling you right now very few in history have understood what it meant for him to be crucified you can preach it you can say it all day long Oh, he was, he was crucified to, to shed his blood upon me to save me. Save you from what? Ask yourselves, save you from what? From sin? If he saved you from sin, then why are you breaking the commandments? Do you not understand that his shed blood is written and documented in the Old Testament. It's written and documented in the law for a reason. Paul taught that you were to be under the schoolmaster for a reason so you could put on the mind of Messiah. So you could become a living sacrifice to others, for others. It's for a reason. Because if you have to fall away. Understand this folks. Because I've heard of people. That have gone in and been baptized. And accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And have fallen away into sin. Drinking prostitutes. Drugs. And turn around and had to come back to the church. And repent. You literally are putting him to an open shame. Because that means you have to crucify him a second time to cover your sins. Once you get the knowledge of what he did, there is no turning back. Once you understand what he did, and why he did it, and how he did it, there is no turning back. Ask Judas. Ask the 300,000 that fell in the wilderness. 
Ask all the kings and the prophets that lost their lives because they're turning their back on Yahweh. Verse 7, for the earth which drinks in the rain that comes often upon it and brings forth herbs, fruit for them by whom it is dressed, receives blessing from Yahweh. But that which bears thorns and briars is rejected and is near unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. That's their end. That's their hope. Is that they get burned. Can you imagine, folks, if that's the only hope you have is just to get burned? Speaking of someone who has lived through hellfire. <clears throat> it's not pretty. It's not something I would ever want to experience again. Verse 9, but beloved, we are persuaded of better things for you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. For Yahweh is not unrighteous to forget your work and your labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. That you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when Elohim made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he sweared by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless you, and in multiplying I will multiply you. And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Men verily swear by the greater. And an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Wherein Yahweh, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability, immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by oath, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for Yahweh to lie, he said, I have spoken with my mouth and I will not repent. I have declared it and I shall see it through. It is written throughout the prophets. It is impossible for Elohim to lie. We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters into that within the veil. Whether the forerunners for us entered, Yahshua made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Oh, we're going to get into the Melchizedek this week. Don't you worry about it. If there are any questions, I apologize for it being windy. <clears throat> but if there are any questions, feel free to post in the comments. Because um, I'm sure if you have stuck with me to this long, you will have questions. I hope I've answered them. But <clears throat> if not... If you have further questions and want to know further more uh, on this subject or on this message, uh, feel free to post in the comments. Everyone, shalom. I will talk to you tomorrow.